0: give you a little little rester we're going to try to get you out. we're doing calisthenics to make sure you're awake So there's a little bit out of order um welcome right we're glad everybody's here a couple other people came back in just again want to mention it's our first day of transformed um it'll be a 50 day kind of deal um perfect during lent um lent is 40 days minus uh sundays and so um we are excited about um, about what God's doing. What I want you to do is just stand where you are, just greet people around you, we'll open with prayer and we'll continue with our worship today.
1: Hey.
0: Sorry guys. I
2: can't hear, I'm not in happens. So he I think he got he'll get
1: you. Okay. Okay,
2: I
3: Check check check
1: check 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 check. Yeah. It just. What happened to?
4: Yeah, about that. I was
0: trying to hold back. All right. If everybody can get uh, get still, we're gonna go ahead and open up with prayer. I'll open up with prayer today. I do want to say a big thank you to Marsha Young. Um, Marsha hey, coordinated our trip to see the Son of God movie. and I didn't make it for dinner, but I heard that Haven Community Church is now banned from Red Robin. No, I just, um, no, good. So it's good. Isn't it cool when a church takes over a restaurant? I love it. You, you freak people out majorly. It's awesome. So, all right, let's Especially pray. Especially if you pray. That's yeah, true, yeah. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you today, and we're just so thankful for you. This is this time of year where we, uh, where historically, people who had come to know you or wanted to come to know you began a process of conversion to Christianity um, that started with uh, with just uh, seeking forgiveness, with penance, with all kinds of other things, and that's where we got the season of Lent, which means that we, that in a way, that we get prepared, um, and by doing that, we a lot of us give up certain things, but. The whole theory behind it was that we give up that old way of life to have this new life in Christ, and so God, all that culminates in Easter Sunday. I think with this weather we've had, many of us think that it it still should we still should be singing Christmas songs, um, but but Lord, we know that uh, that just as those on Good Friday, that Friday where You were crucified, that their songs were were just like the weather; everything looks dead and lifeless and cold. That on that first Easter Sunday, you rose, Lord, and, and just gave new life and light to the world and just gave us eternal life. And so, Father, we praise you for that. And as we're here today, just minister to us um, in that same season of Easter that we celebrate not a baby in a, in a manger, not a uh, Savior who we thought we put our hope in that was crucified on a cross, but we sit, serve a risen Lord and Savior. And for that, we give you praise. And all God's children said, Amen. amen. <laughs>
1: Andy, can you bump Wayne up just a hair?
4: Guitar. Yeah, I got a little technical up here, you know. But, you know, it doesn't matter what happens up here, you know. What happens out there is more important, you know. You guys are worshiping, connecting to God in this place, you know. It's, it's kind of cool because um, last week I was down in Texas doing some work, and I went to a church, and it was really a cool mega church, and I had a good time worshiping. But, you know, it wasn't here. You know, I didn't connect the same way that I do here because this is where I connect with God and connect with you guys, and this is where I, this is where I belong. It was kind of cool that Fred sang that song last week because this is where I, I should have been, but I couldn't because of my job. So just glad to be here this morning, you know, just worshiping you guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I hope that, um, that everybody is just uh, finding God in a new way. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the first week of Transformed, Jack? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of funny because, like, I think about being transformed, and I'm, and I'm transformed every Sunday up here because by nature I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not the person up here that wants to do this by nature. It's by God's grace that I do this for you guys. So
2: You
1: do a
4: good job. Okay. All right. Give thanks to the love I got him. His
1: love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever, sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever for the life that's been reborn.
0: your wig, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Don't forget that uh, confirmation in the office, high school at the dance center, and middle school stays in here.
2: Andy?
3: It's all quiet all of a sudden. We're here this morning to worship God, obviously, and part of that is our praise to him in song, our praise to him with our tithes and our offerings, and our requests and praises that we have for him, for the things that are going on in our lives. And then again, our service that we render to him out of that praise. Rachel has asked us for prayer this morning for um, Will Barton's shoulder. And Lori and Rob Taylor have asked us to pray for the Cook family and the loss of Yvonne Cook this past week. Trudy has asked us to continue to remember her friend, Kathy, Kathy, who's obviously having a hard time with the loss of her husband, Larry. And she would also like us to continue to pray for her son, Austin. Lois has asked us to remember Celia, Celia, Cecilia Farrell, who has a lot of health issues. Cecilia's is a neighbor of Lois's. Patty Miller has asked us for prayer for her brother, Paul. They think that his cancer may have come back. And she'd also like to pray for Mrs. Gilliam, who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And Mike Berdinka has asked us to um, pray for the suffering of his dog, um, that the Lord will either ease the pain and heal him or um, take him out of his suffering. And then David has asked for uh, healing for Brenda Wheatley. Uh, She needs to learn how to walk again And uh, he thanks the Lord for being with her through all of this. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together this morning. We come to you asking for forgiveness for the times that we have missed the mark, as Jack calls it, that we have not met up to the expectations that you have for us as your children. And Father, as we think about Lent and preparing our hearts for uh, Easter and all of that that it brings, and as we start this study on transformation, we pray, Father, that you will help us to really concentrate on what we're doing. Help it not to be just another small group thing that we're doing here and that we're coming together for a time of fellowship and socialization and those things father are very important but we pray that as Jack gives the opening sermon this morning and that as we prepare by reading in our books and looking up the scripture and as our leaders prepare by uh, getting themselves ready to lead each of the groups. We pray, Father, that we will really seek to be transformed. And Father, we just pray that you will open our hearts and open the eyes of our hearts as we go through this, that we will be really looking for ways that we can change our lives. The study itself covers every aspect of our life. And I'm sure that for everyone who's here, there is at least one aspect in there that needs to be transformed. I pray, Father, that as we continue this worship this morning, that we will be joyful in what you have done in our lives, what you have done in each individual life that is here, and what you have done in the life of Haven and help us not to just sit back and rest on what has happened as ancient history, but to be excited and to worship you and to look forward to what you're going to do in, the, in our own in lives and what you're going to do in the lives of us as a congregation. We pray, Father, that you'll be with each of these requests that have been made known this morning. We pray that you'll be with those who mourn and be with those, Father, who are facing therapies and doctors appointments and tests and procedures. And we pray, Father, for those who are looking for work. And we know there are people here who need to sell homes. And we know that there are family situations that bring up stress and strife. And we pray that you'll be within each one of those situations. You know them. You know the individuals involved and you pray we pray, Father, that you will bring your peace to each one. As we give our tithes and offering this morning, help us to be mindful and joyful for all that you have given us, and to be joyful as we return a small portion to you. And we ask all of these things in thy name. Amen. Amen.
4: не хотят в холле.
2: Good morning morning. today's scripture is from luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 24 the parable of the lost son jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him,
0: Just checking. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. All right. So it's just, um, you know, one of the things that we, that I think a lot of times we tend to, uh, I was just sitting here thinking, um, I'm kind of rambling right now, because um, one of the things I was just thinking is we're starting the series on transformed. And, you know, I can, we can do whatever series we want, but it starts with you wanting to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And if you don't want to do that, we're going to waste seven weeks of your life. Um, and that's okay, because many people have wasted a lot more time. Um, but you're in the right place, because I believe that you want to be transformed. I also believe Satan does not want you to be transformed. Uh, he likes us beat down, exhausted. Several of the areas we're going to talk with during this series is the spiritual health, physical health. Um, and real quick, I just want to see, if you've been beat down in any of these areas, go ahead and say amen. Spiritual health. Physical health, amen. mental health, amen. emotional health, amen. relational health, amen. financial health. Amen. <laughs> Last one, vocational health. Yes. All right. So, guess what? Anybody who said amen or thought it, this is what you're here for. Okay, um, but welcome. This is we are beginning fifty days of transformation. Uh, this is part one of our series. And I went through some of these areas. Seek seven key areas of your life. Again, those who have already signed up, um, want to participate. Um, again, we have the, uh, um, several of those books. Stay After Church right here. Give you a chance to meet some of the group leaders and also are the hosts. I'm oh, sorry, I messed up. and we Went back to old church instead of new church. Hosts and those who um, want to be part of it. Um, You can sign up today and we'll get you signed up on there and then we'll order the books and we'll we'll get you taken care of and connected to a group. So most of the series is geared from... In the whole series is geared from Romans twelve two, And I want you to look at this because this is going to be, I think we have it up here, right? Uh, I want you to look at this verse, and I want to say it together because it's an important verse. Let's do it all together, and it starts here with do not conform. It says do not conform. We got up there, let me try it again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop. You guys are going to do this with me, okay? We got that? Every, what are you going to do? Huh? Uh, one and two. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I started with two. Let's start with one. Because God is merciful to you, offer yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the bad of this world, but be transformed in the ruin of your mind. There we go. I added one more verse in there. So um, I've heard it said before, the way that you think determines the way you feel and the way that uh, you feel determines the way you act. Um, so the way you think that's how you feel. How you feel is how you act. I've been told before that people can tell when I'm not, I'm not cheery jack, when I'm mad, when I'm um, happy, when I'm upset, or what have you. People can tell because I'm thinking that way. It's, I'm living that way, and you guys can tell because I'm acting that way. Right? So if you're acting depressed, it's because you feel depressed. If you feel depressed, it's because you're thinking depressing thoughts. Am I right? Okay. The key to transformation is not your actions. So many times when we want to transform something, we say, Okay, I'm gonna gonna start with my actions. And you go ahead and start. You go ahead and start. But what ends up happening is you don't feel like transforming, so your actions last very little. And if you get to the point where you really feel like you want to transform, if you don't transform your mind, you're not going to be transformed. It's how it works. And that happens in all these areas of our lives. And so, as I said, we're going to take this Romans 12, two principles about being transformed. And we're going to have this through these areas of relational, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, and vocational. And we're going to touch on all seven of these areas. And we're going to see how it changes the way we think and how it changes the way we feel to the way that we act. Transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness, from defeat to failure, and from faith to victory. And that's what God wants us to be. God wants us not to be insecure and inferior, but he wants us to be courageous and bold. So today, I want to start, and we're going to look at our spiritual health. And um, this seems like it's awful low for me, so I'm going to raise this up a little bit. Um, So, but that's, uh, I thought it was, but we're fine. All right. So as we begin to look at the spiritual health, um, many of us will recognize the further we get away from God, the more trouble there seems to be and happens. If you're not following God's plan for your life, you're following yours or someone else's. And the Bible says it's going to be rough. So the further I get away from God, the more trouble I'm going to have in my life. And sometimes we get close to God and there's trouble because other people are not following God's path for their life. And they surround us. So we're not an island to ourselves. If we were, life would be very, very easy. So let's look at this. But when we get closer to God, we will get transformed. For instance, let's look at some people in the Bible that were transformed. The Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he met him face to face, his entire life was transformed. Radically transformed. He was a religious terrorist, dare I say. He went and collected Christians and was handing them over so that they would be persecuted. um, Prosecuted and then eventually some of them killed. He stood at the side and held the coats for the people that killed Stephen. If we look further, Isaiah was transformed. He was a depressed person. If you want to read about God using a depressed person, read the book of Isaiah. He says, I want to keep my mouth shut. Anybody want to do that in your life? Anybody's spouse wants you to do that in your life? I want to keep my mouth shut, but every time I I, I start to keep it shut, he said, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to share because these people don't like me. Every time I open up my mouth and I want to share something that God has for me, I don't want to do it, but every time I do, it really ticks somebody off and they want to kill me. But if I keep it in here, I'm going to explode. So he was not a happy character, he was depressed. But, he, but God transformed him into a courageous person when he got closer to the Lord. Moses got close to God. The Bible says he got so close to God that he was even transformed in his appearance. He saw God on the mountain, and when he came down, it freaked everybody out that he had to put a veil over his face because his face was glowing from seeing God. That's called transformation. Like if I went back into that room and came out and I was like, what? You know, you guys would be like, whoa, hey, what's going on here? And you'd be a little bit freaked out. I would. We all want to be close to God or else you wouldn't be here today. And uh, keep it up. Keep rolling. That's good stuff. I feed off of that. The Bible says, but the Bible says something important to us. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each tends to go their own way. In other words, we tend to wander off. Everybody say this with me. (laughs) Bah. Very good. You guys are too good at that. Um, And you know why you're good at that? Because you're all like sheep. Uh, So transformation. We want to get closer to God, and we're going to be transformed. So we're going to talk about how to get close to God, how you stay close to God, and if you've fallen away from God, how you get back to that close relationship with him. Some of you can point to a time when you can say, I remember when I was really, really close to God. I can think of these moments in my life that were high points where I was a young kid or even in ministry or other areas, I can talk about these areas where I could just sense God's presence so powerfully. I see some heads nodding, you know what I mean? I was close. I could sense His friendship. I had a fellowship, I had a kinship. I knew him. And it just was like Jesus and I are just walking and everybody else enjoy. Because I got, I got this kind of deal. It was a joy. But then again, many of you can also say, but I lost that. I remember having it, and I lost it. It's kind of like when you let the air out of a balloon. You, know, you ever see a little kid when you give them a balloon, and you don't tie it, and you give it to them, and they're like, yay, and then they let go. And they're like, "Ah!" Eh. And a lot of us are like, "Ah! Eh, where is it? We kind of lost that spark. And we don't have any, the power to transform anything in our lives. Fortunately though, there's a, there's a biblical story about just that. It's a biblical story, it's one of my favorites throughout scripture, one of my favorite uh, parables that Jesus gives. And it's the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. And it comes from Luke chapter 15. So I'm gonna read this, we're gonna put this up on the screen and I'm gonna go ahead and read through this today as we look at this. And Jesus told his disciples this story. At least we were going to read this, but we're not anymore. See, I'm telling you, Satan does not want us to be transformed, right? <laughs> Devil's in the details. Anybody heard that? All right. And it was just read for us, but I'm going to go ahead and do it again. Give me a second here, and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll hit it and run with it because we aren't going to let the devil get any stronghold. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. No, I got it right here. We're good. All right. <laughs> There it is, right there. Isn't that good? All right. So, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth on wild living. Now, I will stop right there and tell you, you know what he did there? What did he do? He had a lot of fun. As I said a couple of weeks ago, sin is fun. If it wasn't, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Just to let you know, it seems it's a heck of a lot of fun while you're doing it, but the repercussions afterward are not fun. Amen. There we go. All right. So now that I got that across, because I don't want us to think that we're just like walk around. Oh, you know, it's fun, but it's not good for us. Okay. Um, Alright, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And that's exactly what sin does. It pumps you up, makes, you, makes it like everything's fun, and then you're in need. You're, you're hungry and you're in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. We'll talk about that in a second. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. How many of you ever heard that before? Heard that story? It's a great account of scripture. Um, I just love that story. I, I thoroughly love it. Um, because it's incredible. It's a story of how every one of us tends to go bad and go, go off on our own. But it's also about how we wander from God, our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer. And yet, we mess up and he's there for us and loves us even when we come back. Yeah, I mean, think about this story. The kid starts off by saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Just uh, Kids, that's not a good way to start a conversation with your parents to get something that you want. Dad, I wish you were dead. How do I know that? He says, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want the inheritance that's owed me when you are dead. So in a sense, by him, literally, by him saying, Hey, Dad, I want my inher- having the inheritance. He's saying, I, want, I wish you were dead so I could get paid. And so he starts with an extremely self-centered life. He starts this account with, Give me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want mine. And that's where in life we all start. If you've ever seen a baby, that's where they start, gimme, gimme, gimme. When they get about two, they get, I want, I want, I take, I take. And then there's a lot of us who in middle age are still, gimme, gimme, gimme. Where's mine? And we want that from God. I want it now. Give me mine. I'm in a hurry and I need it now. We live in a drive-through society. And what I mean by that is there are people who spend years messing up their lives and want 15 minutes to get it fixed. And if it isn't fixed in 15 minutes, then there's a problem with everybody else, not them. You know what I mean? We, that's how we live constantly and continually. And so we are always in a hurry. So he takes off. He gets, his father grants him this wish. He takes off. He packs up and he heads for the Vegas of the time, Jerusalem. There he wastes all his money on wine, women, song, particularly women. And he got into a mess. He got broke. And then there's something else that happened. The nation had a major issue. They went into a major recession or depression and had famine. So the people who had didn't have. And so he wasn't getting anything from anybody. So this guy who had everything at his father's house, his father gave him great wealth All of a sudden now, this guy ends up homeless and hungry. He couldn't find a job, so he hired himself out as a servant to somebody else. And this is a good Jewish boy who begins to work with pigs. Not a good deal, because pigs are definitely not kosher. So here he is. He's not only destroyed his own life, but he's destroyed his spiritual life majorly here. Where he's working with pigs, and he not only wants to work with pigs, he's so hungry and so off track that he looks at pig slop and says, that looks good to me. Anybody ever seen pig slop? I should have brought in some today. We could have passed it. I, if we, it wouldn't have been great if I'd done this sermon last week when we had the tables. i just throw it on the table, there's some pig slop. You guys would have gone out. Right? It's disgusting. That's how hungry and desperate this man was. He was so hungry that he said, that stuff looks good. And nobody gives him anything. And then he wises up and says, you know what? I know I don't deserve my father's love, but his servants are treated much better than I am. I'll go back and, uh, you know, the sonship's done. I've squandered that. But I'll go ahead and just ask him. You know, he rehearses what he says. You ever done that? okay, okay, I really messed up, but I'm gonna see somebody, I'm gonna say, okay, um, okay, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you, So, Okay, they'll, they'll respond this way and then I'll respond this way and I'll, oh, I'm not worthy and then they'll have a compassionate heart. And so that's where he, that's where he starts off. So from this story, we find out some things about God, how to get back to God. I don't know where you are here today, but I know some of you are very far, I I would dare say some of you are very far off. You relate very well to that prodigal. Maybe you haven't been in church in years and years. Maybe you're a little bit closer to God. Or maybe you're just distant for this week. Or maybe you've had one of those weeks where you thought, I really don't feel the presence of God in my life. And yet I really want to be close to God. So how do I get back to him? And there's four things that we learn from this section that I want to share with you, and here's number one. Number one is, get fed up with your life. Get fed up. Get fed up with my life, my circumstance. Get fed up with the way that I've been living. Get fed. Up, get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and say I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm too stressed out, I'm too lonely, I'm too depressed, I'm overworked and busy, and I don't even like myself when it all comes down to it. Why would anybody else like me when I can't stand me, if I'm really, really honest? I don't like the life that I'm living right now. Now I'm going to tell you once again, nothing during these seven weeks is going to change or happen unless you first get dissatisfied with the life around you that you're living. If you think, I'm fine, I'm just fine, it's okay, I don't need to change, I can deal with it. That's how we do it. I can deal with it. I can handle it. If I shut my eyes like this, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, we can do. We can live life like that. But there will be no transformation in your life. Nothing will happen. You have to get fed up. You have to start by getting fed up. Look at a person next to you and go, I'm fed up. I'm fed. All right, I'm fed up. This passage of scripture tells us this. It says he wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. And that's where transformation starts. When you get fed up. If you're not there, it's okay. You will be or you, at some point in your life. God will let you stay there. He'll allow a little bit of rain to fall in your life. And then a little bit more. And if that doesn't work, look out for the storm. Because the storms will come. Am I right? And when God gets our attention, sometimes he knocks on the door. Sometimes he blows the door down. And if we ignore, he'll knock again. It's kind of like the big bad wolf at times. (laughs) He'll huff and he'll puff. And eventually, we living in houses of straw that we built will all come falling down. Some of you have had the door or the house blown down to your life, and that's where you've been existing. You notice I don't say living. I say existing. You lost your job, or you lost your marriage, or you lost your friend, or you lost something. Why? Because God is not causing that, but he's utilizing that to say, yoo there's a better way. There's a better way. God often allows you to get thirsty. You know, someone has said this before. You remember the old saying, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Um, I, I heard this other phrase that said, you can, lead a, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can salt his oats to make him thirsty. And sometimes God wants to salt our oats to make us a little bit thirsty for him. And so the first step, we've we got to be disgusted. Look at what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 29, 13 says... And in response to God, God says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and when you want it more than anything else. If you're not finding God, maybe you just don't want him more than anything else in your life. God is not going to reveal himself in just the kind of casual, hey, how you doing? Oh, you, okay, you go ahead and do your stuff this week. Here I am. Okay, great, here I am this week. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. That's not how God works. God is a, Scripture tells us several times that God is a jealous God. God doesn't want you to have anything in front of him. And he said, hey, you know what? The reason why I want your attention is not to punish you, but because there's a better way to live than this. You got to get fed up. So that's number one. Everybody say, get fed up. Get fed up. All right, here we go. The second thing is in this, I need to own up to my sin. I need to own up to my sin. Owning up to anything is foreign in today's world. It is always somebody else's fault. Go ahead and say amen if you want. By the way, uh, where's Gary? Is Gary in here? Gary. Yeah, there you go. Because Joe Cox said last night, the only thing that was missing from the movie was you saying amen. We really missed it. So, um, But owning up to my own sin. Many of us just don't like to own up to anything we got to get fed up, and then we got to own up. This is what this young man did. Look at this. It's printed in your sheet. Go ahead and look at this. In verses 17 and 18, it says, When he came to his senses, circle that, and say it with me. Come to your senses. Okay, He's, he goes, and this, is, this seems crazy, but look at what he, what he does. He says, I can't maintain where I'm existing now. He was just existing with the pigs and the slop, and everything just sitting there and he was existing living like that is not sustainable you cannot keep that pattern up in your life where you're just coasting through life because eventually if you're like me i always loved when i would bike ride i'd bike and you'd have a you'd be kind of level and then there'd be a hill that went down and you'd be like yes you just coast but guess what comes after that hill down And uphill. So you can coast all you want, but eventually, about halfway up that other hill, if you don't pedal, you're gonna start going backwards. And many of us live our lives coasting on yesterday's deal with God, and we start to go back, and we end up in that little all our life stuck, and we just exist there. Uh, To live life without God makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. To live without God makes no sense. To live without God, it's not rational. To live without the creator who made you is not logical. When he came to his senses, look at what he said. I have sinned against you and against God. Nothing is going to happen now until you come to stage two. Stage one was what? Get what? Get fed up. Stage two? Own up. So we got to get fed up and own up. It's where we just have to own up. I need to face that I have not been living for God. That I've been living my own way. I've been doing things my own way. I've been doing the way I think things are best for me. And I'm getting tired of holding on to your controls because it's not working. I'm about ready to resign as general manager of the universe because I've noticed that it's not working for me. So I own up. What do I own up to? My sin. He said, when he came to his senses, he said... I've, I've sinned against God and against you. In Isaiah 59 too, it says, your sins have separated you from God and have hidden his face from you. Have you. Let me ask you, have you ever had times where you're just in that point and you've prayed and it seems like you're praying into the great abyss of nothingness? That you feel like you're into a cave going, hello, hello, hello? Are you there? And it just echoes and you're And then you pray and you pour yourself out. Or others, it feels like your prayer just goes about this far and pops back at you. It's going nowhere. You can't see God. You can't hear God. You can't feel God. You feel like you're just talking to yourself. Where does that come from? It comes from this whole thing that we go to God many times and want Him to fix it, but we don't own up to what we do. We don't confess. We don't share the things that we've done and say, God, I've wronged you. And that's where this comes in. I saw on Twitter this week. It says, "If you feel far from God, guess who moved? God has always been there and always will be there. He's not the one that moved. You are. You've moved away by giving your love to something else. You gave it to, or, or to someone else. People can tend to do that. And you know what the Bible calls this? It's a really little short word. It calls it an idol." Now we we think of idols as little tiny little things that we bow down to, but there are several things that are idols in our lives. In fact, you're close. You're as close to God as you want to be. You can't blame anybody for that. Matter of fact, the word "blame" is pronounced this way: be lame. You're actually lame, being lame when you blame other people for what's going on in your life. Oh, it's easy to point the finger. It's very difficult. In my philosophy classes, uh, two assignments I give them right off the bat. One is where they have to go ahead and write their philosophy of life. Another one is where they have to take Plato's allegory of the cave and apply it to their lives. And they hate it. You know why? Because if I get, and I I say to them, it'd be great if I gave you a paper where you wrote about Plato and what Greek, what uh, Athens was like and all this kind of stuff. I said, but I don't care about that. I want you to look at yourself. And they hate it. I give, you know, most of the time, 18 to 20-year-olds a chance to look at themselves. And you know what? Guess what I find out? The 40-year-olds don't like it anymore. (laughs) We don't like to look at ourselves. It's easier to blame our life circumstance. It's easier to blame um, my predicament on everybody else. It's easy to be lame in doing so. The first and second commandments tell us about being lame and having idols. It says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no false idols. But we do that all the time. Money can be an idol. Success can be an idol. Golf can be an idol. All kinds of things can be an idol. People can be idols in your life. So we need to own up. The fact is that we can't blame anybody else in our lives. You're as close to God as you choose to be. Think of it this way. If I had a big tub of water, or we'll be churchy and call it a baptistry, which is where we baptize people, all right? We had this big tub of water here, and you got in, and I went ahead and shoved you underneath and held you. At first, you'd say, oh, that Jack, he's joking around. And then I said, all right, what would you do? You'd start to struggle a little bit. And as you begin to run further out of air, the struggle is going to be more. You're going to be kicking, screaming, clawing, doing whatever you can. Am I right? You know why? Because you're desperate for life at that moment. And one of the things that I find out is there's so many of us that really aren't desperate for God. We say, I've got to know God, but we're not desperate enough to think about it, to put it into practice and to put it into our lives. When I own up to God, I say, God, I've blown it. I missed it. I need you. I am desperate for you. It's like that song, Breathe. This is the air I breathe, and I'm desperate for you. That's somebody who's struggling underneath the water and needs some air to breathe. When I do that, when I tell God, hey, this is what we call churchy term of the day, repentance. When I repent and what it means just about faith, when I turn from the life that I'm living, I say, God, hey, here's what I need from you. He doesn't rub it in and say, I'm going to punish you now. Now you have to go through noogies, spiritual noogies or anything. No, God does not punish us. But look at what his response is. David sinned against God. and And this is the reason why many believe he wasn't allowed to build the temple. When he killed Uriah so he could have Bathsheba because he got her pregnant while Uriah was out fighting. Then he sent him on the front line so he would get killed. David in Psalm 51 says this, Be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean. I recognize my faults and I am conscious that I have sinned against you. What did he do? He confessed what he had. He shared. He owned up to his sin and where he missed it. Circle that phrase in your bulletin. Recognize my faults. That means own up. Guess what? Look at the person next to you and say, you got faults. Now, now, pretend mirror. Pretend mirror. Everybody pretend mirror. Now go, you got faults. Yeah, that's harder, isn't it? It's nice to look at a person and point out the fault. Believe me, in my years of ministry and life, there's been so many church people that have taught me my faults. I tell you, I got plenty of them. And after church, we'll be sharing all Gary's. (laughs) Amen. No, just joking. But we all have them. So why do we act like we don't? I often find out the people who speak the most against your faults have that fault a lot. I've blown it. I've gone my own way. God wants to let us know, hey, it's okay. You know, this section of Scripture... Is Psalm 51, I'm gonna put an old video, not up today, but I'll put one on um, Facebook. Um, this is the OxyClean verse of the Bible. Oh, okay. And I did an OxyClean video several years ago. Um, it was called OxyChrist, so I'll put it up on there. On, on see. Is it still on there somewhere? Okay, it's there. no, so it's, it's an interesting one. Okay, I was young and ridiculous. Now I'm just old and ridiculous. Um, but what he says is he can take it out, you know? Just like Billy Mays screaming. It'll wash away all your sin, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what Christ does. He takes it and rubs it away. And I know there's some people say, eh, I'm good as I am. That's, that's fine. But you're going to crash one day. You're going to hit it and you're going to recognize. So what do I have to do? This next week, you're going to study seven habits for spiritual growth. If you're participating in the Bible, you're going to study seven habits for uh, spiritual growth. It's a, it's a good thing that we're going to have here. But I want to give you some more today, some other things that we're going to study this week for spiritual health and spiritual growth. But first, this is the first thing I want to share. You've got to have a habit of a regular spiritual checkup. Now, some of you are very good about going to the doctor all the time. Am I right? Some people like to go to the doctor, they like to get a checkup. They like to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. It's that time of year. Others of you, wouldn't go if your arm was detached from your body. <laughs> and you know who you are as well. Uh, but here's some ways that I want to share for you to do a spiritual checkup. And when you get your... Uh, if you, Those of you participating in this, it'll be in page 220 of your manual. So, um, And it'll go, it'll go through some other ones that give you a chance to do a spiritual health assessment that's in the back of this section. And the first thing is to look at worship, to look at our worship as a spiritual checkup. You were planned for God's pleasure. Are you giving God pleasure in worship? Um, fellowship. You were cr- created and formed for God's family. Are you regularly associating with others in the body of Christ? Discipleship. You were created to become like Christ. How's that working in your life? Ministry. You were shaped for serving God. Do You feel like you serve God in the way you should. We. You know, in that way, if you want to guess what that's about, um, any of the ministries that we do, the community kitchen, the rotating shelter, the parish foundation, we should never have, if everybody here was serving God, we should never have to say, hey, we still need some people to help. Okay? Are you serving God in that realm? And um, in ministry. And the last one is evangelism. You were made for a mission. Are you sharing God? in your life and with others. And so that's one of the cool things about this manual that has it right here. Doctors will tell you that you need a checkup. But you'll say you need to have a heart checkup. Some will say that you need to get a physical. Some will say you need your blood pressure. And some will say that you get a certain age and they wanna check your colon. Anybody have any testimonies of that today? Anybody wanna share? <laughs> okay. Um. <clears throat> that could lead in a whole different direction. We'll leave it there. Um <clears throat> <laughs> you do what you do because and where do we do this spiritual checkup we do it in our thought life right in here we got to think about it um, the old saying you got to do a checkup from the neck up in that areas there's a great that great spiritual checklist that is in the book and also um, that you can have in your life will help you greatly the goal for this week I'm going to give everybody this goal for this week and here it is so we want to set a spiritual goal so here's the goal for this week you're going to do a spiritual checkup. I want you to do a spiritual checkup on your life and this week, whether this week, today, or sometime. And then I want you to make it a plan of your life to do it about every six months to see how you are in those five areas and how you're, you're attaining that. And we can also get the materials maybe up online that if you want to pull it off and check it out and see where you are, it would be really cool. It would be a good deal to write down what you need to do. On Monday, everybody's going to start on the first day of this. You're gonna, your groups are going to be different times, different places, but you're going to continue. So those who are meeting, everybody's going to start on day one, starting Monday, and get rolling. And then Tuesday, day two, and you're going to keep on going through that. So that's why after church, those of you uh, participating, you're going to get your book, and we'll work out the other stuff if people want to sign up. So we're going to be doing that. You'll read one day, and then the next day, and we'll go through 50 days of this together. Um, along with the sermons and other kinds of things. So here's the memory verse for this week. And if you're, even if you're not participating in a small group, which I would challenge you to do, here's the memory verse that I want you to re- memorize this week. It comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I want you to read it aloud. Do we have it up there? Um, we're going to go ahead and read it aloud together. I think you have it in your bulletin if it's not up on screen. And it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has become, be, begun. What that means is that means you are a new person. What does that mean? You're not the same anymore. You don't have to listen to impulses. You have the Holy Spirit that lives within you. You have a community that surrounds you, a church that loves you. You have a new ability. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a new identity, a new destiny. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. The new has come. So get in a habit of a regular spiritual checkup. In the message version, it says test yourself to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking anything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. If you fail the test, do something about it. The Bible says that even before you take the Lord's Supper, that you should have a checkup from the neck up. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me to the way everlasting. That's a search verse. 1 Corinthians 11 says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. In other words, I need to get fed up, I need to own up, and I need to face up to what I need to do. Next one, number three. We good? Number three. I need, after I've gotten fed up, then I own up, and then I need to offer up myself. I offer up my life. I offer my total being. He got fed up, came to his senses, owned up, and said, Now, i want to be, I got to offer up. Look what it says in Luke 15, 12. Look how he changed. This is where you can see where the transformation occurred in his life. And that's what brought restoration. In 15, verse 12, it said, The son drifted away, saying, Give me my share. Give me. In Luke 15, 19, he comes back and returns to the Father and says what? Make me a servant. That's transformation. Transformation occurs when your heart moves from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. Are you there yet? Many of us may still be in the gimme, 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 gimme stage. But what we need to do is come back and say, make me, make me. Are you letting God transform you in that way? Transformation does not happen overnight. It's an entire process of your whole life. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, we reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed. That means it's being transformed as an active process. So many of us are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord. So much of our churchy terminology goes this way. I became saved, and then we're good. We look at this relationship with Christ as getting a ticket punched, and then we're good. But the scripture also talks about working out our salvation and how our salvation is a process of life that we display that we love Christ through living for Jesus day in and day out. The Greek term for transformed is a word called metamorpho. Say that with me, metamorpho. And that's where we get our term metamorphosis. And we use metamorphosis when we talk about butterflies and and how they change. What does a butterfly start at? Caterpillar. Caterpillar. And then what? Cocoon or chrysalis, and then, a big butterfly. And they're really pretty. Like, you know what? Sometimes you see, like, all these caterpillars going around, and you're like, oh, that one looks cool. But none of us run through our yards going, oh, I got to get that caterpillar. I got to get it. You may pick it up, but you don't chase it all around. You know why? Because caterpillars just go at a certain pace. And they're susceptible to everything. You know, they're susceptible to be stomped out. Anybody stepped on one? evil people no. Um, (laughs) but you know you'll see them and you'll just be like they're creeping along and they're all over the place and you're like oh my gosh they're everywhere and it's going to be a bad winter and all that kind of stuff that we say and here they are and then when they get into the chrysalis form those things are ugly you know that's an area where the transformation process occurs where they're changing and they're it seems like they're getting nowhere you know why because they aren't They aren't moving. They're in the same place they were for months. And you know, but and then there's a struggling process to get out of that cocoon. It's a struggle. And if you if you try to help one out, you know what you'll do? You'll ruin it. It'll never be able to fly because it can't go through the struggles. It needs the struggles to make its wings strong enough so it can fly. And what a great illustration of our Christian life. So many of us are stuck with just like being little woolly bears, little whatever they're called, caterpillars. Oh, I got this. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm going. I'm going. Whoa, shoo, missed that one. Whoa, Hey! Oh, over this little mountain. Oh, We're going through this. And then we finally say, oh, okay, I'm going to get still and then start getting this thing. He's like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. God, where am I? I can't go anywhere. This is horrible. I'm not doing Nothing's happened in my life. I'm just stuck. Just uh, Oh, what's going on? Oh, this is horrible. Oh, wait, uh, there's a room out. Oh, it's so painful. God, come take this thing away from me. Ah. <laughs> Sound familiar? Amen. And then finally we and we go, whoa, this is cool. I can get from there to there a lot quicker. What's this. Oh, somebody's trying to get me. Woo, miss me. Woo, miss me. And that's how f- you were created to fly. You weren't created to go along. You weren't created to be stuck in a cocoon. Yet so many of us in our Christian journeys get stuck there and enjoy it. And, or we don't enjoy it and we want to tell everybody else about the problem. But we never want to go through the struggle of being strong enough to fly. You were created to be a butterfly, not a caterpillar. God made you to soar through life. Not to live with the crap that's given to us day in and day out. You need to, how do you do that? You get fed up. A caterpillar says, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of creeping along. I'm tired of them big shoes stomping on my head or coming close. I've got to own up and admit, and then I need to offer up myself. If, the, if he never got still and went through that process, he would never, ever fly. Transformation is a process, but the first step is make me, not give me. Romans 12, 12.1 12, and 12.2, our theme verse because God is merciful to you offer yourselves that's it offer up myself offer yourselves as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what mind no transformation occurs until you offer up what is the father's response In Luke 15, 20 and 22, when he sees his son filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Bring the best. Bring the best robe. Bring the best ring. Bring the best shoes. Bring the fatted calf. All these things is the father's response. You notice one thing that's really cool? He didn't wait for the son to come home. He didn't wait for him to get it all together and totally be back restored to sonship. He met his stinking pig slop-eating self out down the road. And that's exactly what God wants to do to you. Just turn around and start making the journey, and he will meet you there. The moment you say, God, I'm tired of living this way, he'll run to meet you. He's not going to wait for you to knock on his door. He's going to run and meet you. You know, he gave him the signet ring, and that's like if your kid took, you gave him your your, his half of the, your inheritance, and then he went and spent it all, and he came home and he said, here's my credit card. That's what he did. He gave it all to him again. Gave him all the things that he had before. God doesn't hold a grudge. He's got a ble- better plan for your life. You know, when I, one of the things that I think is interesting about babies, and I've had several of them in my house, um, is that when you first start giving them that little like Baby food, the battery stuff, and then you move to like the stuff in the jars. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes they don't like some, but like you get to, like the good stuff, like the bananas and stuff, and they're like, oh, I'm you know, like they can't get enough, like and it's dripping out their mouth and you scrape it back up and blah, 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 coming out. More, 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 more. And you know, we taught one, uh, several of them sign language and they're going more, 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 more. And they want more and it tastes good. But then the moment they move to like real food and you try to give them that stuff, they're like, Psh, no, no. No, 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 I don't want that. Give me the, give me the, give, give me the little burger cut-up or give me some of the things that are really good. You know what I mean? And, like, I love pizza. And I think I liked banana baby food. And if I stayed there saying, Mmm, this is good. Banana's good. I would have never gotten to the point of tasting pizza because pizza is a heck of a lot better than that banana slop. <laughs> you know, I've never gone in and said, Gee, Could I have... Uh, banana puree for dinner? No, I've never said it <laughs> since I've once had pizza. You know? There's something better there for you. There's something better than the slop that we're dealing with. And the Father wants to give his best to you. That's what God wants to give to you. He wants to go ahead and give you the best things. So let him. If you knew there was a better way to live... If I stood up and I said, if you know there's a better way to live than you'd be living, wouldn't you want to know about it? That's what transformation's about. You say, some people may be here, say, okay, I've heard you through this. It's, it's cool. It's kind of entertaining, whatever. But my life's good right now. And you know what? I got to tell you, no matter what problems we have, our life is good because we live in the United States. Compared to the rest of the world, we live a good life. But you were ma- good isn't enough. You were made for something more than good. You were made for a better life, a life that you can't imagine, a life that situations can't change, a life not of a caterpillar but of a butterfly. So how do I get back to God? I get fed up. I own up. I offer up. And there's one more thing. One of the things is when the Father meets us, when we run to God, He hugs us, He kisses us, He loves on us. All is forgiven. Go get the credit card. Go get the robe. Go get. Let's have a barbecue. Let's party. Woo, party! Anybody like a party? Yeah. Oh, you guys are so lame. Do you want? You like a party? Yeah. <laughs> what happens after all this? A celebration, a party. What do I do? I lift up my praise. Now, what do I do by this? I say thank you. How many of you were taught to write thank you notes? How many of you don't write thank you notes? That's something, um, thank you emails, that'll work. Um, text. Look at what happens here. Luke fifteen. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party begins. Life is a party when you come to transformation. In Psalm sixty eight four says, Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him. His name is the Lord. Now I want to tell you, if you want to start your transformation, here's what you do. Start by singing in church. Some of you say, I came here to hear Jack. That's good, but I'm not gonna. I'm not the best singer here. Many of you are, I realize, many of you are prison singers. You know what that is? Anybody know what a prison singer is? You're behind a couple bars and you never have the right key. (laughs) And some of you have a voice that needs to be cultivated. It needs to be plowed under. I realize that. But these are, whether you have a prison voice or a, a cathedral voice, whatever, here's one of the things that you need to mention. The Bible doesn't say your singing needs to be pretty. Only the people sitting around you says it say it do. The Bible says make a joyful what? Noise. Noise. Make a joyful what? Noise. I don't know about you, but my kids can make a lot of noise, and they're having a heck of a lot of good time with it, and it bugs the pee out of me. But I know, I know that I know, that I can tell you when my daughter Rachel was in the hospital and we didn't have a clue what was going on with her, that she always makes noise. She's nonstop noise. My mom and dad say she is just like I was when I was a kid. Can you believe that, that I ever made noise? (laughs) And And she makes noise nonstop. And you know, when... I didn't have a clue what was going on with her when we thought she may have had a stroke. There's, what I wanted in that moment was just for her to make some noise. And when she came home and the kids were yelling and screaming and having a good time, I didn't say, would you sit down and shut up? And I was like, make more noise. Now that we're past that, I'm like, sit down and shut up. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> but I'm not God, okay? Your transformation, I'm going to tell you, your spiritual transformation will begin when you begin to start singing. 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 There's been some researches, researches, researchers and research that's been done. A global study came out by Swedish researchers, and it said this. They concluded that the habit of group singing is good for your health. They say it's, it's what well, we find out is good therapy to sing with other people. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your emotional health. It's good for your social health. It's good for your physical health in all different areas. Um, They did a study and they found out that it lowers your blood pressure, it releases endorphins, it makes you feel good, it improves your mood, it builds your confidence, it relieves the loneliness, releases the negative emotions and stress, and creates positive emotions. Another study found out that people who sing in worship every week live longer. And I'd like you guys to live longer. So sing. This book is called Imperfect Harmony, Finding Happiness in Singing with Others, if you want to look it up. I want you to intentionally start singing the songs. You know, I remember one time, I, I got to tell you, one of the time something in my life, and, you know, I love to sing praise and worship songs, and there's those times that sometimes I just need to throw something off the wall, and I just want to dance around. One time somebody from a church that I was at came to drop something off, and they heard Van Halen's Dance the Night Away at the blaring levels, and they said they looked in and I was dancing and singing around. That's good, and I know you guys do it too. It's just not Tom Cruise in his underwear. Um, for those of you who are old enough in the 80s. Something about just letting it go. So why, when we come in church, do we feel like we got to just keep it in here and go,
1: hmm.
0: Right? Why? Anybody understand that? Because he is the one that created that. He inhabits our praise. He says, make a joyful noise. He gave you an out when you can't sing. He said, just sing to me. And the cool thing is, I think God has one of those filters that makes you sound good in his ears because there's a heck of a lot of singing and praising in heaven. And if you aren't going to like it here, you're certainly not going to like it there. And so we need to start here. Make a joyful noise. I want you to live longer. It's healthy for you to start praising him. How else do we say thank you? In the term Eucharisto, which is our term from Eucharist, which is communion. First Corinthians 11 23, it says, on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus broke bread and spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, I never want you to forget how much I love you. See, thanksgiving and remembrance. If there's one thing the movie last night did for me, it just helped remind me of why we do what we do. Because he did what he did and gave his life and suffered a cruel death. And so when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take communion, we say thank you to God. I'm gonna ask the praise team to come up and we're gonna move to this time. I know we did Thanksgiving, but I wanna, I mean, we did this great Thanksgiving just a couple weeks ago, but I wanna go ahead and do this. And I wanna, I wanna share some things this week. You're gonna have ushers that are gonna meet at the back and they're gonna dismiss you row by row and I want you to focus. It's not a time to chat and not a time to just to say, whew, church is over, let's go. It's a time for you to stop and give thanks to God for what he did and what he's doing in our lives. So, and also the servers that are coming up, please go ahead and come up. He took it and he broke it and he gave thanks. He took the cup and he lifted it up and he gave thanks once again and offering up his life. You see, some of us would say, well, it's my life. I don't want to offer it up. And Jesus said, well, it is my life and I'm laying it down for you. I'm offering my life up for you. And so to, to, to have transformation, we've got to get fed up, own up. We've got to go ahead and say, I'm offering this up. And, and then not only do we throw, does life become more of a party because circumstance doesn't, doesn't bother us, they throw a party in heaven. And so as we move to this time, we're going to recognize this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ given for you. and his blood shed for you. One of the coolest things about this section last night is I got to sit next to my six-year-old throughout the movie. And he was asking awesome questions. Wasn't he, Carol? Carol sat right in front of him. When I'm going, shh, we'll talk about it later. Um, but some of the stuff he was asking is stuff that I know we deal with, but we just don't think about and the, the, one of the repeated questions he kept asking was, "Who of the people there are going to heaven?" He said, "Are they going to heaven? Or are they going to hell? Are they going to heaven? Or are they going to hell?" And I would love, in my life, to say everybody I come across with, "I know where they're going." You know. And it comes through, making Jesus making Jesus known. As you come today, our ushers in the back. I think Gary and Mike are there. Here he comes right now. You want some of this? Yes. Did you see this last night? What did Jesus say this was? Remember? Yes. What did he say? This is my what? Roddy. Yeah. And what do you say about that? Good. Okay, go ahead. So as we move to this time, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and just start to do those things. They're gonna come, they're coming forward. We just wait till the ushers go ahead and just let's you know, I know the lights will be up enough that you can see, but I ask that they be dimmed a little bit, just so that we just focus on this is an act of our worship. Just like offering is an act of our worship. We offer something to God. This is part of that last thing, offering our lives up to Him. Please come.
4: you in this house lord you raise our voices together We sing a song we're going to bless your name lord today you know just ask you to transform our lives and and, and that message we heard today just make that a difference in, in, in the way that we approach you lord so sing together just sing it out right now no intro just voices ready
1: Everybody sing now. Sing the chorus.
0: It's really cool when, like, Wayne has no clue what I'm going to finish preaching on, and yet there's a song all about singing. and that, and that God? That's God. That's awesome. So great job. So uh, Transformed, um, again, this is how it's going to go. We've got six more weeks of sermons, but we're beginning that first week. If you want to sign up still, please go out there. I think Stephen has a um, sign-up out in the, in the vestibule area there. And um, the rest who are taking that that need books, please stay here. We'll get them to you. Have an awesome week in Jesus. Amen. Amen.
4: Blessed be your name,
1: Jesus Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name